I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Melbourne Cup Carnival has a history like no other in this country. The four-day format for this magical week was established way back in 1875, the same year the Melbourne Cup was held on that first Tuesday in November. Since then... The carnival has adopted a few changes, some big, some small. It's produced sporting moments that will never be forgotten, from Farlap to Maccabi Diva, and it's battled through wars and depression. But this year, it will be a carnival like no other. Hello, I'm Gareth Hall, and welcome to the VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival Preview Podcast. But it's Doremus nicely clear in the Melbourne Cup. He's got the cup run. He's holding nothing like a Dane and Doremus wins the cup. Right fingers the leader. Galilee's got a split and is flying after them. Galilee races to light fingers at the furlong. He's hit the front and he's got the cup one, Galilee. American Trevian. Olsop and Rainlover. Rainlover and Olsop. They're going head and head. Rainlover on the inside. Rainlover's got his neck in front and one by a neck. It's Central Park and Rogan Josh. Central Park, Rogan Josh. Bart's got his 11th. Rogan Josh wins the cup from Central Park. Bart's reality just in front. Bauer declares kick. Bauer declares it for Australia. They're on top of the world. Yes, you are with Gareth Hall, and it's time to welcome in the team for the 2020 VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival podcast. And our first member is uh, the VRC General Manager of Racing in, in Lee Jordan. And Lee, I say hello to you, and it is a, it is a different year, isn't it? Like, this carnival's battled through wars, depressions, and now we're battling through a pandemic. Um, and as I mentioned in that introduction, it will be a, a carnival like no other. Yeah, Gareth, um, great to be on and, and good to chat with you and Matt and Dean. But um, it is, it's a different year. Just sort of thinking, like, leading into the carnival, we're sort of all doing things that are different because obviously we don't have a crowd and now we don't have owners as well. So you're sort of preparing in a different way. And um, it is the area I've been fortunate enough to go to the meetings during COVID-19. And, and, and it's quite weird because um, obviously no crowd and, one of the things that really stands out, you can hear everything during a race, you know, uh, the horses galloping, the whips cracking. And um, the thing that really strikes me is the jockeys are screaming at their at their charges to get them over the line, which is, is it's just amazing. But no, it's a different year, but, you know, the quality is there coming into the week and really looking forward to it. It's a great privilege and honour to have the great man, Dean Lester, who is the greatest form analyst in the game. But he's a wonderful historian as well when it comes to, the racing game, and, and and Dino, you would have so many great memories during a Melbourne Cup carnival. Hello to you. Yeah, hello, Gareth. Uh, great to be with you and, and the team. And, uh, yeah, look, the Melbourne Cup week, there's like no other, and it's uh, what we look forward to each year. It's, uh, you know, within those that work within the industry, it's probably the toughest week of the year, but uh, still uh, that's what uh, we do it for, and, uh, and you look forward to it every year. And Matty Stewart. Of course, the chief racing writer here at RSN. How many, how many cup carnivals have you covered? 
was thinking about it the other day. I watched Jern from Mum and Dad's place on the couch, so obviously I wasn't involved, you know, constantly then. So, but I reckon it wasn't far after that. So, oh, probably the same as Dean. I think it starts with a three. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it is. It's, it's just as Dean said. Then the four days. It's it's always like a constant show reel, Dean, isn't it? The four days all close together and. Uh, something like 36 races or something like that. It's it's a showreel week of constant action, isn't it, uh, Cup Week? Yeah, it is. And and probably within the uh, racing bubble, you have to go back and look at it a month later to really absorb it. Those that enjoy the week, uh, you know, and, and uh, enjoy the social aspect of it, but, you know, enjoy the punt as well, probably take it in more. You're just trying to get your job done, but then mm. you look back, you know, I always tape it uh, on the IQ and, and about a month later go back and watch uh, watch what we've seen because uh, you want to absorb it and you want to take it in. But uh, in, in the moment, it's pretty hectic. I think it's the greatest day on the Australian Racing Calendar Derby Day. And you have a look at the, the races. You start off with the, the Carbine Club Stakes and then into the Wakeful Stakes, um, the Hotham Stakes, horses trying to get into the Melbourne Cup, the Group 1 race for the Mayors, the Empire Rose, the Coolmore Stud Stakes, the Victoria Derby, the Cantala, of course, moved from the last day to the first day, swapping around with the McKinnon, and then the Furphy Sprint to conclude the program. I'll go to you first of all here, Lee. It's been a couple of years now since you've made that change with the McKinnon and the Cantala. Do you think it's working at the moment? Yeah, Gareth, um, I think the McKinnon, you know, used to be oh, 10 years ago, maybe, you know, when Bart was using it as a bit of a, a bit of a lead into the Melbourne Cup. I think most people refer to it as the most expensive uh, Group One trial in the country. Or, the, <laughs> and um, I just think in the in the late, latter years, it just didn't fit well on Derby Day. It was sort of, and it was a week after the Cox Plate. But going on the final day, I know there was a few critics in the first year, but I think the race is really developing. And um, this year, I mean, um, hopefully we'll see Armory that ran second. Uh, to Sir Dragonay come onto the race. You know, Melody Bell is coming over from New Zealand and she you know, holds the, the record now in New Zealand, the most amount of Group 1s ever, ever um, you know, ever won in New Zealand, which is a great record. She's coming just for the race. Um, Acadia Queen hopefully will come on. Holmesman was great the other day. I'm sure he'll be there. 50 stars looking to back up. Um, you know, fierce impact. So... You know, and there's probably a three-year-old that will come through as well. So I think the race now is starting to really develop. And actually, over the spring, depending on how this shapes up, it could end up being one of the races of the spring. So, no, I think it's doing its its job. And, I mean, our, my view and our club's view is to keep developing the race and you know, to, to be one of the, you know, highlight grand final championships over the carnival. And, Dino, I love, I love listening to you when it comes to race program race programming do you think the vrc have got it right with moving the mckinnon uh, well i do well i think the 2000 meter at flemington is the best uh distance and track in australia it's just a fair contest and we see it in the australian cup every year and we see it now in the mckinnon uh and i think it's great the way they've developed that i do miss that little bit of intrigue of watching horses uh, run on the Saturday, getting ready for the Tuesday, uh, I missed that a bit. But you get it in the Hotham in the Hotham Stakes, uh, with regard to that they have to win to to get in virtually. So you still get that to a degree. But uh, look, it, yeah, it's a 
it's a better race for being moved to two weeks after the Cox Plate. Leo, I guess the relationship with the Cox Plate is always going to be interesting, isn't it? Like uh, the amb- individual ambitions of the VRC against sort of Mooney Valley. Mooney Valley would like to see the Cox Plate as the grand final of the Cox Plate horses, you know, historically and annually. But the VRC is entitled to have its own ambitions with the, the McKinnon as well. I guess in an ideal world, there'd be a... Uh, some sort of relationship between both races, as seen as a, as a, as a pair of Group One championships, is it a sort of an individual aim with the, the McKinnon, or is it always seen in the context of the Cox Plate as well? Yeah, no, I think I think there's room for both, uh, Matty. I think at the club we're very much on, you know, the four pillars. The four pillars being the sprint, the mile, a two thousand metre weight for age, and a staying event. So I think our aim will always be to develop that. Um, four-pillar relationship and and really to sort of be the championship. You know, Flemington here, the four days, it should be, you know, the, the championships. And that's how we want to... It won't be titled that, but that's sort of our our aim from a racing angle. So, obviously, we want to pour more money, prize money, into those pillar races. And that's not a neglect of our champion three-year-old races as well. It becomes a whole package. But um, that's where we see it. So... Um, yes, every club has their individual aim, but we, and we see the McKinnon as we want to develop it. We want to make it a world-class event, and I think it's heading that way. You're with Gareth Hall, Lee Jordan, Matty Stewart, and the great Dean Lester here on uh, the 2020 VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival podcast. Hey, Dino, when you look at Derby Day, do you think that the Derby's still the highlight on the opening day? It should be. Uh, it's... A window of opportunity, you know, there's a lot spoken about whether it should be distance shortened and those sort of things. And uh, I'm very firm in the opinion it should stay as it is because it gives that early maturing three-year-old the chance to win a big race. You know, it's like the golden slipper. Like If you're up and about at that stage of your life, you shouldn't be penalised for it. And, and that, uh, you know, I think... Uh, is for the for the young stayer, and on Saturday we haven't got a stand it, we haven't got a guineas winner progressing on. I mean, I can remember the days of you know you know a horse like Grosvenor, uh, Cossack Prince, and Velosa. They went through the Spring Champion, the Caulfield Guineas, and onto the the Derby. So they were a group of three great three year olds, and they went right through. This year don't have anything like that, but still a chance for a horse that's mature enough, yeah. bred to do it and get the money uh, early doors. What do you say to the horse people like Danny O'Brien, Dino, that say, well, these horses aren't quite, they're, they're not quite ready yet for a, a 2,500-metre contest at this level so early on in their career? I say he's got a lot of runners in it for someone that doesn't think <laughs> it's a, a contest for, for those sort of horses. <laughs> I, I knew you would say that, Lee. The feedback, you're the racing manager with the VRC, you get this question, and we talk about this nearly every year, your message to the trainers and the horse people out there, will you ever change the distance of the, the VRC derby? You're right, Gareth, we do talk about this every year. That's definitely <laughs> on. Um, and look, yeah, the, the, I saw a poll last night taken on, it was 50-50, it was um, you know divided down the middle, and that's probably a pretty good reflection. There's some people that wanted um, to stay as is, some that want to reduce it. Um, I've looked at this year, and I mean, the form lines coming into this race were probably the same as the last two years, you know, through the Amy Vars, through the Norman Robinson. The Geelong Classic winner's not there, and it's not because they don't want to be there. It's because they hadn't paid up along the way, and maybe that's something we need to look at with the 
entry closing and the acceptance levels. But and we, we don't know how good Jerry Tortoni is or Young Werther. I mean, he's lightly raced. Um, you know, warnings, warnings in the cup on Tuesday with a really good chance. Mamie Bound won the Oaks. She's, she's in super form. So I'm, you know, the club are very uh, comfortable where it is, but obviously we're not set in stone. We'll always review and take in feedback, but it, it is very divided. It's a bit more difficult with horses, what I'm about to say, fellas, but it's it rings true for sport that sometimes you want to see athletes pushed a bit outside their comfort zone as well to see where the, the depth of stamina and tenacity and, and, and character is as well. I know that sounds a bit airy-fairy, but uh, not everything can be comfortable, Lee, and sometimes you do have to, to stretch the, the athlete to, to see what the what they're made of, and that's I think that's what a... Spring Derby tends to do. I'm genuinely in no corner at all. I see arguments, merit in both arguments, but you don't always want it to be comfortable, do you? Yeah, no, you're, you're right, Matty. And, and as you said, I'm, I'm, look, the, the club are very happy where it is at 2,500. We're not set in stone. We're not rigid. Of course, we'll review. But but you're right. You, you know, and, and I think the horses, look, you can pick at every race and go, you know, they haven't gone on or the form line, whatever. But um, as I said, Cherry Tortoni, Alvarado. We've got a great story there in Johnny Get Angry with Dennis Pagan having his first derby derby starter and um, Danny's uh, horses, Young Werther, etc. So, look, let's wait and see how, how it pans out this year. Let's see what comes out of it. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's a fascinating race, to be honest with you. On Saturday, it'll be interesting to see what, what goes on because I think there could be varying tactics too. So, um, But, yeah, it's all good debate. Dino, um, I've been become fascinated with the story of the American Triple Crown winners, and one of the the reasons why it's so fascinating if a horse can win all three is because the series of three races doesn't actually make a lot of sense with the staggered distances yeah. and so on. And uh, and I think that this also relates, Lee and, and guys, to the argument about should the Cox Plate be in front of the Caulfield Cup, but because they are in reverse, it makes it a tougher challenge to to zigzag a bit and try and pull it off. And Dino, I think that's kind of a little bit consistent with this Derby debate is whether it should be make absolute perfect sense or whether it should actually sort of stretch their stretch their limits a little bit further. The club have invested two million dollars in it. If if a horse wins that race, that's a career. I mean, it's not. Mm. It, it, if a horse doesn't go on, so be it. If it does, like overseas, they win a Derby yeah. and they can be retired off. So you don't know if they are any good or not. They're just retired off. So uh, I think this argument that you've got to go on, like, you know, if a horse wins a golden slipper and doesn't train on, it doesn't matter. It's done its job. That's what it was bred to do. And if it's to be a you know a strong early season three-year-old and you're strong enough to do it, you should be rewarded. It's the story of that horse's career, isn't it? Yeah, That's right. Yep. I mean, you look at a horse like nothing like a Dane who then three days later could run th- second in a Melbourne Cup that's not what wrecked his career. He came back and he won first up. It was when he ran in the Australian Cup in a hard second up run that really probably took him over the edge. But it, it, you know, it's, you can you can certainly train on. Yeah, and do you think that we'll see? Why don't we see Dano more horses do that quick backup from the Derby to the Melbourne Cup now? Does that surprise you? Well, they've got to enter now. The, the late entry clause is no longer there, so they've got to enter. And we did have a entry this year, Lee. I think Elcione was entered for, by uh, Godolphin. You're right, Dane Elsie, was the only one. I think the international wave has made the task that little bit harder to, to try as often, Lee. 
Uh, do you mean like they're trying to get into the field? Well, the three-year-old taking on half a field of very good internationals is a lot more daunting than it was before the international era, maybe, for the three for the derby winner. Yeah, probably. Um, and I think probably what we're saying is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's their grand final, the derby, um, three-year-old just turning three. Um, I think that's probably... I know there's examples in the past where they're backed up, which Dean's just raised them. But I think... Look, if they want to enter and go through the nomination stage, do that. Um, and I, I think it sits fine the way the way the structure is. I, yeah, and the other the other thing is that uh, with the the three year olds uh, being entered from the start, they're very close to weight for age. Where some of these horses are well underweight for age, uh, the older horses more experienced. So it is a very hard task for a three year old, uh, in you know, with the more compressed scale to do it. Saturday, like over the last couple of years, I think nearly the most intriguing race and the build-up towards Derby Day, Dino's been the Coolmore because there's so well, much on the line with it. With it's a stallion-making race now. Well, the evolution of the, yeah. the race. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like Derby Day 1980 had seven races. <laughs> uh, by 82, they'd added a race called the Black Douglas for yeah. the three-year-olds and it was uh, it was ultimately Ranch's last start and he was beaten by Fiesta Star at about three to one on and uh, you just couldn't imagine that that race was going to develop as it has through the journey on Derby Day. Yes, they swapped the histories of the Ascot Vale Stakes and that race, but uh, to have this Group 1 elite contest, uh, great forethought, and, and it, it is uh, a fascinating race. And my fascination every year is that those trying to get the $20 million colt or will a Philly spoil the party yeah. like Sunlight <laughs> did two years ago. I love it when a gelding comes along, if it does come along to to, to ruin the party as well, Dino. But, hey, Lee, is that one of your, your most satisfying moments of recent times when you have a look at that Coolmore? Yeah, and look, I've only been at the club for two years, so I'm definitely not going to go taking any credit that, you know, I got the race there. But um, the club's done a great job, I think, in developing that race. And, I mean, when you look at it, you know, I mean, Glenn Fettick and uh, Ranting and, and Anders, uh, and as you said, the Philly September run, you know, swap that. It's got it's a lot of intrigue in this race on, and then you've got Farnham. You know, we yeah. we don't know what's happening there. So it's it, it's a top top shelf race, really. Um, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, and we've got fourteen runners, which is great. And um, you know that that it, the club has really done a good job on developing that race. It's a real centerpiece. I love the positioning of the VRC office, Lee. I, I think your desk. I know that. Um Amanda Elliott's and I think Neil Wilson's, when you look out your window, you see straight up the straight, don't you? That must be a... There's so much history involved in your glimpse out the window there, isn't there? Yeah, no, I, um, this is the number one spot. I mean, yeah, looking down the straight six, looking at the grandstand, a few clouds there, but I don't think there's much rain. But, yeah, um, unfortunately, those grandstands are going to be empty, but I just love this spot. I just... Um, uh, I'm not going to say I'll be here till they put me six foot under, but yeah. it's not a bad spot to be. It's just a wonderful. I'm not actually hinting at anything. I'm feeling all right at the moment, but um, it, it is a great sight just to see that straight six. It's magnificent. Just on the the site and just the, you know, in 2006, I think 463,000 people went mm. through the gates over the four days of Flemington, and that so it was so popular that they had to rein the crowds in and. And so on, and uh, and Lee, I know it was down a bit last year, but as has been said often, the um, the the hint we got of the lack of crowds was felt at Caulfield and Mooney Valley. But the full gravity, this is the biggest sporting cultural festival in Australia consistently, and over four days, it's 
it's it's it's we're going to notice the effect of coronavirus more at Cup Week, and it's going to make us look forward more to when normality resumes in uh, 2021. But as you say, it's it's going to be a, a memorable because it's a, it's a once in a 150 year event, isn't it? This year. No, you're right, man. Actually, a lot of people have been saying we take plenty of photos because, you know, in five years... They'll end up on walls, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you're going to say, gee, this was... What? That was the cup and no one there. Um, but, you know, we've obviously got photographers, so that'll happen. But it's... Yeah, it's just going to be fascinating. As I said before, you can hear everything that goes on. There'll obviously be a little bit more people in general because there's a few more logistical things, but it's not going to be the same, there's no doubt. But, look, the club has done a lot off, off course to... Um, obviously engage um, punters and fans and the members. There's plenty of offers and punting things and trivia and all sorts of things. So, um, you know, and the broad Channel 10, <laughs> the studio they're built here near the Maccabi Diva stand is just something to behold. It's unbelievable. And when you see it in the broadcast, I think it's going to, um, you know, it's really going to knock your socks off. It, it is. They've got a mega wall in there. Their studio is magnificent. They've invested a lot of money. And I think um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see your views after the four days, but I think their coverage is going to be a one. They've done a lot of work leading up to the coverage um, to you know to have to have other other things, other features, horse features, and obviously fashion and all those other things. So um, it's just going to be a really interesting four days, obviously on the track with the quality of racing, but also the broadcasting and what's happening off the track too. Before we we get on to Melbourne Cup Day, Dino. This this is a little left field. This question, but have you ever have you as a form analyst sometimes when you have a look at your horses' profiles and especially horses in the yard, do you think some horses have been suited with no crowds in a way oh, that I they think... become more relaxed and 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 there's no pressure of the people around them. Yeah, I think it's been really good for, say, a horse like Russian Camelot yep. uh, all the way through the spring. And conversely, probably the older, more laid-back horses, I think a few of the uh, trainers and jockeys have mentioned that they've lacked the stimulation of not being pumped up by the crowd. So it's had effect probably two ways, but but more so the, the, the more calming uh, aspect of the, the spring for the horses. This is, of course, the 2020 VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival podcast with Gareth Hall, Dean Lester, Lee Jordan, and Maddie Stewart, let's talk about the Cup, the great race, the Lexus Melbourne Cup to be run at three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Dean, I've had a chat to you on several occasions already about this Melbourne Cup. And um, you mentioned to me on Sunday that this is the championship, basically, of the Spring Racing Carnival with the Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, Form Lines coming together here for this great race on, on Tuesday. Have you seen it? This is one of the, the better Melbourne Cups of recent times. Is that how you see it? Yeah, well, no one's dodging it, uh, Gareth. That's the thing. You've got the Caulfield Cup winner, the Caulfield Cup runner-up, who you know, originally Anthony Van Dyke was thought maybe just coming out for the Caulfield Cup, but he's in the Melbourne Cup. You've got the Cox Plate winner, the Cox Plate third, and the third has been the favourite virtually all the way through. Uh, then you've got a horse, say, like a horse like Avilius, uh, who you know was very unlucky in the Caulfield Cup, but has been a wait for age horse for a couple of seasons, now switching back to handicaps, and then you get into the international group. So it really is the, uh, a staying championship of the world. Now, Matty, I was listening to you on Monday morning after the Cox play. I disagree with you a little bit. I don't always disagree with you. And with the Melbourne, um, with the, the verdict there on, on, on Racing Pulse. I think sometimes you go on a little bit too much about the internationals. When you got Surprise Baby and then Very Elegant, that's a New Zealand bred horse that defeated Anthony Van Dyke. But 
you have the opinion that it's become too hard for us to win our own race. Uh, the reality is it's become a lot harder for us to win yeah. our race. It's not my view. It is the reality is that it's become harder. So, uh, no, I, I, I actually I love the internationalisation of the Melbourne yep. Cup. I, I have no objection to the internationalisation of the Melbourne Cup at all. I, uh, I, th- uh, I think maybe the, the, the cost of that has been, a, a sl- a, a, not, whether it's a slight or a pronounced, uh, slipping away in some ways of the relatability of the race to the local community. And maybe that's just an inevitable thing that will happen when you internationalise a race. So, Leo, I know that this is not a discussion we haven't had over the years, but there is always... Uh, a juggling act of uh, facilitating the internationals, but making sure you retain the uh, the link and the attachment to the to the local community as well, and that's just an ongoing uh, uh, challenge for every race club in the VRC to make sure they keep the local attachment, but also uh, invite the world in at the same time. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a balance, but I think well, Dean said it's the um, staying championship of the world, so you can't uh, call it that and not have international competition and. Gee, Val and Declare won for Australia last year. You know, you talked about very elegant. Um, what about, you know, a surprise baby? Yeah. You know, uh, trained out a Horsham, got that, you know, great, you know, local country sort of feel. Um, you know, well represented. You said a Villiers. Um, yeah, there's lots of um, Australian you know, warning. Uh, Finch, you know, he's now an Aussie. Uh, you know, Miami Bound. Chosen one, steel print. There's plenty of good Aussie stayers, and I think uh, I just think the internationals obviously add a bit. I know the locals would probably rather them not here because they've got the race themselves. But I think that's just part of world world championships, part of competition, isn't it? Yep, Whether yep. you're playing golf, tennis, anything else, if you want to be the best, you've got to take on the best. No, that's right, and I've got no objection to them being here at all. I, I, the only thing I, is I comment on is the the, the what impact yeah. it can have. I think know, the so. storyline of this year's Melbourne Cup Carnival, Dino, is definitely the Horsham Gallop surprise baby. He's 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 a story that can capture the imagination of the Australian public. He's the he's the horse that when you're at the pub, doesn't matter where you are in Australia, you're talking about surprise baby doing it for the Aussies. Well, that's true, Gareth, uh, and uh, you know, he's a bit of a mystery horse as well because we yeah. see so little of him. Uh, but uh, yeah, what we've seen of him this spring has been good. Uh, he's got last year's cup-winning rider aboard in Craig Williams, and uh, it's yeah, it's been this low-key build-up. But as you said, it's a, a relatable story, and you know, a, from a horse that could have been bought by anyone by very, very uh, you know, moderate uh, amount of money. Uh, you, you could have a Melbourne Cup runner. Now, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Lee. Obviously, with your recent role there or your previous role with Racing Victoria as the international scout. And I'll get this question asked a lot. I, I know Dino does. Is like trying to work out the best form lines for a Melbourne Cup for a European Galloper. Do you have any secrets or is there any certain criteria that you like to follow to help out, uh, to help out us punters? a bit, Gareth, in that you're obviously looking for a horse that's going to qualify for the race. Um, the York the York Carnival at um, the Ebor Festival has been a good guide over the year, like the Lonsdale Cup. You know, Max Dynamite won. Um, you know, the Ebor itself has been a good race leading in. They're always a good gauge. And I mean, you know, probably taking that line through, and I know he's a, he's definitely a, 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 he's a character of the turf, is Willie Mullins. I mean, he's horse Stratum Albion. 
ran second in, in the uh, the Lonsdale Cup. And it's always a good guide, that race. Um, he's, I don't know, he's something like 50 to 1. He could be a, you know, a good show. But, I mean, you know, against all that, you know, then you've got a horse like Prince of Aaron, who's, <laughs> you know, forming Europe. You know, he just can't get out of his own way yeah. half the time. And he comes out here and he just... And that that is one trick that some horses definitely do travel better and just perform better uh, when when they get away from wherever they are. And that's one of the tricks with travelling. Uh, I remember when doing the job is, depends on how they travel and how they settle in. That first 48 hours, 72 hours, if they haven't travelled and recovered, you might as well put a line through them. Um, and that's the key. That really is the key. But form line, obviously the York Festival, um, what they're doing at Ascot. Um, there's a few races um, in, at Goodwood as well. There's some sort of standard races through the season, from Ascot through to Goodwood through to York. Mm. They're the sort of main three carnivals you'd be looking has, looking at that line. Has it expanded a bit though, because the Dunedin's protectionists and Americanes weren't part of that circuit as much, were they? So it's no. See, that's where France's they were going through those French races, like uh, like a horse like San Huberto's won the Vigor Stakes, and uh, that was a race that Americane Dunedin used to go through, but. I've got to say, and hopefully there's not too many French French enthusiasts on the on the listening to the podcast. But the French, especially the staying ranks, have just really dropped away. Um, and I don't know whether they've just maybe a lot of I know Willie used to buy out of probably still does buy out of France. Maybe they're being purchased early doors and um, going elsewhere. But their staying horses just aren't up to the Dunedins and Americans that were there. It's been disappointing. It's evolving and things change too and evolve. But, um, yeah, French stays just aren't the same. The biggest evolution has been the, uh, the the late season Northern Hemisphere three-year-old league when it probably only rekindling whilst you are in the job was uh, one that uh, came to mind. But uh, with Cross Counter and, and the likelihood of Tiger Moth being a big player on Tuesday, that's been the evolution and, and it's moving all the time. No, you're right, um, Dean. And Aiden brought out... Um, a three-year-old that Stephen Baster rode. Marla. Marla and ran third, yeah. And then then there was a gap. Um, well, it was a bit of a gap because Aiden didn't come back for a yes. while after the Septimus um, uh, saga of 2006. And he went, uh, it was a bit difficult getting him back for a while. But he sort of had the trick back then, but it was just because he went away for a while. As you said, it wasn't until rekindling and then cross-counter. So can, can, can Aiden do probably what he started off to do with a horse like Tiger Moth? Hey, was uh, it got very similar profile to rekindling? Was it an urban myth, or was it, or did Aiden really have a, a bee in his bonnet after the chief steward Terry Bailey dragged him back to the race course to explain the the tactics that year? Did did Aiden brush it off, or was he a bit field shy for a little while? Uh, all I could say is when I went and visited him in the July after that happened, I think I've still got the spray stains on my shirt <laughs> from uh, that visit. So, well, there you go. So, what did he say to you, Lee? Oh, he uh, sort of uh, verbalised what he thought of Australian racing uh, to me in uh, a very uh, frank sort of way. I can't imagine and, him being, uh, like, swearing. I don't think there's any swear words in there, but anyway, he, he did. I think he'd obviously built that all up after six months and I sort of happened to be at the receiving end. But And then every year it sort of got better and better and uh, you could see, you know, um, I did comment to him to, towards the end that Terry Bailey's left. He said, oh, I didn't really know he'd, he'd left, but... I think he knew exactly where Terry was. <laughs> I can't imagine that, Dino. <laughs> no, well, Lee could have softened him up with a luncheon at the Richmond Seafood Tavern, maybe. But uh... 
How do you assess the international form, Dino? What's your process? Uh, oh, I know, case by case, uh, just, you know, and, and watching, you know, I mean, I, you would never have thought uh, that an Epsom Derby winner would be out here uh, in the past, but uh, you've got to assess right to the highest level. We were always sort of looking around the edges, you know, trying to find the ones that linked loosely to the Epsom Derby runners, let alone an Epsom Derby winner. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's it, this is why it's it's evolving every year, and and what we what what you look for, and I make notes from a lot further out than I used to. I used to wait till they you know, arrived here, but uh, now I'm making notes from about May. Do you like to see them in like for like scenarios, Dean? Big fields, tight racing, turning tracks, anything like that? Tempo similar? I remember when I can't remember which horse it was. It might have been Rekindling. I think. If there was a little knock from some on him, was that he'd been running in smallish fields with different sort of tempo, and then he was suddenly thrown into a twenty-four horse Melbourne Cup. Do you try and marry them into what what they're going to encounter? Yeah, I, I used to go with that, Maddie, but it's the look. The Doesn't thing work. is that we don't. Well, we don't race as tight as we used to. We we don't race. The the race isn't right. We've morphed into a European style of race. They don't go hard early. They build, and it's a building speed from about a mile out. So it's actually we've actually started running the race to their advantage as well. Whereas uh, I think the first few times that they come out after, like a horse like Vintage Crop could handle it, but uh, there are a few in the middle there that uh, you know the Oscar Schindlers and Co. They couldn't handle that. It was on from the get-go, and jockeys would tell you that that down the straight the first time was like riding in an 800-meter race because it was a charge the first turn. You look at it now, and it's very pedestrian. Like a, uh, on Racing.com this week, they highlighted a, a lovely story of Kingston Rule, and you watch down the straight they ran the first 900 about the same time they ran the Maranong Trial. So it's uh, they uh, they flew along, and and that's still the record, of course, at 3:16.3. But the race now runs on dry tracks anywhere up to about 3:24. So mm. it's a seven or eight seven second difference so it's a it's totally uh, a race that suits their style of racing even better I, you know I, and it's amazing how it's morphed into their race whilst we're trying to repel them we're actually giving them more of an advantage why dino i think when they got uh, half be, the field they sort of can control the the speed a bit sometimes too can't and, they? and we don't have you know we don't have tough you know staying horses as, as such you know we run our horses that you know in the lead up races they're, they're they're going like that now so they don't have series of hard runs like the you know the, you know, the Caulfield Cups never run under about 229 230 anymore it used to be up 226 227 so they even the lead ups aren't as, as fierce a contest the only really hard contest in the last few years leading into a Melbourne Cup was uh, the Mooney Valley Cup that Prince of Penzance ran second and unbelievably came out and won at 100 to 1, but he'd come off a really hard race. Your thoughts on all of that, Lee? Yeah, no, it's interesting what Dean says, and I hadn't sort of really um, looked at that, but he, he's right, actually. So, <laughs> as you said, I'm trying to repel them, but probably maybe falling into their to their way of uh, the way the way the races run. So, um, that's a good observation, and... Uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but um, and it's probably right. We've seen the results recently. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaks latest podcast, 10 News First Person, will bring you amazing stories from all over the country. Stories that matter from journalists with passion. I'm Meralda Jacobs and I'm proud to present these stories to you. You can find 10 News First Person on the 10 Speaks page on 10 Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey Dino, the Melbourne Cup, and we'll talk about the popularity and what it means to to the Australian people, but it's an international race now and it's a, a race that's recognised right across uh, the globe. But as a tipster, and you're the most popular thoroughbred tipster in this country, um, the Melbourne Cup, what is it like for you, Dino? Is it like your phone running hot? Um, do you get blown away with the interest uh, of, of the great race? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, it's it's amazing the interest in it, but uh, it's such a you know it's such a cultural event, not a sporting event, not a racing event. It's uh, it's all of the above, and and it's um, you know just uh, yeah, it's huge. And just having been lucky enough in two thousand and three to actually own a runner in the race, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I've owned a lot of horses over thirty odd years and, and had a lot of winners, and my still my my. Uh, treasured memory is running 10th in the Melbourne Cup so uh, that shows you the enormity of, of what the race does uh, you, know, you know for people that love the sport and people that actually you know watch on the day what was that like Dino Melbourne uh, Cup I'm, day tell us Look, a bit of the I'd story because be... it is a it, 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 there's kind of a bit to the story isn't there with the well, humble was, origins yeah. and so on yeah it was a horse called Big Pat and uh, of course uh, in 2001 uh, I was a jockey manager at the time for Peter Mertens and uh, Pete was riding Big Pat and he won the uh, VRC St Ledger in the South Australian Derby and he was well up in the betting for the Cups and uh, he was um, he ran well in the Caulfield Cup and he ran well in the Mooney Valley Cup and he was favourite for the Melbourne Cup in 2001 uh, until the rain came and he drifted a bit on the day but uh, such was his popularity. It was the year of the federal election and, and John Howard went and got photos with Big Pat at uh, <laughs> Big Pat's Creek Road, Warburton, uh, thinking that might get him some votes. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, Big Pat didn't win that day and I had nothing to do with him other than being the jockey manager of Peter Merton's and 18 months went by and the horse lost, came into form and lost form and he was beaten one day at Mooney Valley and uh, I was just talking to Peter on the way home from the races and I said, uh, old horse was a bit plain. He said, yeah, he said, they'll sell him. They're, they're sick of him. I said, what? And uh, I got a bloodstock agent to ring. Uh, Cameron Cook rang, and uh, within 24 hours, we'd purchased him and uh, uh, sold him to some friends and a group of people selling him the dream that would try and get him to the Melbourne Cup. And look, it was all going well. He went fourth in the Herbert Power, and we thought he'd win the uh, Geelong Cup, and he came up with just a bit of a cold the morning of the race, so we missed out there. So it was the last roll of the dice thing, running him in the Lexus, and uh, he, he got the money. So we, uh, we lived the dream for three days. Uh, I'd hate to have been owning something that's been favourite for six <laughs> months because three days was nerve-wracking enough just to have a runner. You know what I love about that story, Lee, when you think about horses coming from Newmarket and the Curragh and Mount Macedon and all that, the origins of Big Pat was Warburton. And anyone who's ever been to Warburton would know that there's not enough room amongst those hills to, to, to train a horse. So it was quite an extraordinary thing. I know if you've ever played golf at Warburton, you you can only do nine holes because yeah. 
the yeah. hills are just massive. Exactly. Uh, where, where was he originally trained, given that he was based at Warburton? Did they go no, to the Yarra was, Valley? He, or? No, no, he was based at, he was at Warburton. And, and they had, uh, I actually visited the farm out of curiosity a couple of years later. And uh, yeah, yeah, those big hills you talked about. Uh, yeah, that was that was his track gallop, and no wonder he was fit yeah, and he had yeah. miles in his legs. Because uh, I don't know how he got back down them, to be honest. But uh, it was uh, yeah, he, he was uh, remarkable stories by full and by. I think it was a five hundred dollars service fee. Uh, the trainer. Peter Tullock uh, was the trainer. He'd never trained a winner before Big Pat, and I don't think he's ever trained a winner after. It was just his horse, and, uh, and it was, yeah, it was a remarkable tale, and, and we just got on the tail end of it. A man named Tullock with a horse called Big yes, Pat. Yes, <laughs> that's hey, right. What's your favourite Melbourne Cup story, Matty? We're running out of time already uh, on this Melbourne Cup day. But... I think, I think, Lee, um, this, the most amazing little experience I had was uh, ghosting Lee Friedman's column in 2005, and that involved hanging off Lee a fair bit and, yeah. and down at Markdale. And the day between the three days, talk about those three days, Dean. I'm pretty sure that's when Lee still hadn't publicly revealed that he was going to run in the third cup after winning the Cox Plate. He was worried about the weight. I knew he was going to run. So anyway, we're down at Markdale and Lee cordoned off the whole property because it was, it was sick of the pressure from the media. There was a pack of media out the front. Helicopters. Helicopters. Yeah. There was, uh, I think Tony, Tony Jones yep. got the golf cart on the 11th of <laughs> St. Andrews Beach private course. <laughs> and then within a day or two of that, we went down to Morty Alec, uh, sorry, no, Safety Beach. And Lee sat on one of those coloured beach boxes. All the media hung back respectfully because Lee was particularly grumpy at that time. Maccabi Diva uh, waited at Safety Beach. Dolphins were swimming beside her. This is all true. Then he went to wash her down with a towel and a woman walking a dog up the beach. Oh, my God, is that the cup favourite? And Lee gave her the towel and she ran off yanking this poodle, uh, shrieking that she had like the Tom Jones type situation, yeah. had the towel for Maccabi Diva. Hey. The crowd of Turin. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> basically. And um, I would imagine that's hanging up in a beard room somewhere down oh, there, Rye. I remember Lee and Dean talking to Glenn Boss. It might have been this time last year. And we talked about that Melbourne Cup experience and the final time that he galloped that horse um, after that Cox Plate victory. And he said, well, she can't get beat in that Melbourne Cup. She worked that well, Dino. Um, yeah, I I was lucky enough to speak to him that morning, and yeah. I just, I, I just said, said, "Good luck," and he said, "This is a runaway train; it can't be stopped." And that, had, that was yeah. that was the vision. They had an early crow uh, drink, Tony Santic and Glenn Boss, the night before, where Glenn Boss said, "Mate, mate, don't worry; it's all yeah. predestined." And then Lee Friedman sat bolt upright in bed at one o'clock in the morning because he couldn't sleep because he was trying to think of his acceptance speech. Okay, so it survived insurmountable early crows, Dino, basically. Yeah, she's one of the greats to do all that, Maddie. And when you and when you look back at Farlap Lee, that he won a cup, but he lost the cup before, and then after he won the cup, he lost. I know he had to carry a couple of grandstands, um, but no one's been able to do what she did. No, that's all I thought you were going to say. I know I look a bit old, Gareth. But I thought you may. <laughs> yeah, how was the track playing that? <laughs> No, I've got to say... Never wears thin, that one. But I've got to say, uh, yeah, look, I'm with the rest. The, the, the third Melbourne Cup, Maccabi Diva, was one of the... I was lucky enough to be standing in the middle of the mounting yard. I know a few people may have said this, but when she won and when she was coming back and you looked around and everyone in the grandstand was standing mm-hmm. and applauding, I, don't, I haven't seen that. I, I don't think... I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but... I've never seen that, and that was chilling, and it was just 
uh, very emotional too, and it really was just something I don't think I'll ever see again. And LJ, the previous year was epic enough, wasn't it? Because it was Vinnie Rowe, and I remember how rainy it was and the wind was going sideways, and those umbrellas on the lawns were turning into missiles because they were flying around everywhere and people were ducking. And I remember everyone was under the awnings uh, watching Maccabi Diva, and you could barely see it through the mist uh, when she beat Vinnie Rowe in, in 2004. No, you're always a totally different, uh, totally different feel. But just, uh, well, just you'll never see it again. No. No, um, a day that everyone won't forget if they were there. And obviously, when you, you look back at the Melbourne Cup, you think of Maccabi Diva. This is, of course, the VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival podcast with Gareth Hall, Matty Stewart, Lee Jordan, the great Dean Lester. Let's talk about Oaks Day, and that's on the Thursday. But I think it's a wonderful day, Lee. The race that I look forward to most is the Melbourne Cup Carnival Country Final, um, which I think it's a terrific new um, initiative by the VRC, and I love the Zubs, the the Grey Race um, on the Tuesday. That's a, is the the Grey Race is on the Tuesday, isn't it, Lee, or is it Oaks Day? No, the um, the Greys is on the on Oaks Day. Yeah, the Sub Zero Handicap. Yep. Yeah, we've got the No Grey on um, the No Greys on uh, Cup Day yeah. and the Greys on Oaks yeah. Day. We're looking to have a unified society, Lee, and you're just segregating. <laughs> We have to be more to revisit that too, man. You're right, be politically correct. But Oaks Day, um, we're really trying to build Oaks Day, and I, 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 it's good, Gareth, that you like that race, the Melbourne Cup Country Finals. We're seeing the heats being run for a hundred thousand dollars throughout the country, and they've been. I've been watching the races, and they've been really fascinating races. And uh, you know, we'll get a full field again on Oaks Day because you're racing for half a million dollars in a benchmark eighty. So. It, it, it's a great race. Um, and I remember the last two years watching it it's, um, because obviously it brings all these country horses from around the state here, brings all the connections. Obviously, they won't be here, unfortunately, but it really has got a great atmosphere and um, it's a great betting race as well. Uh, we've also put a new race on there. Um, we've got a, a relationship now with Inglis. Inglis uh, are great supporters of the club and We've got a three-year-old fillies and mares race over a mile with 250,000. Obviously, for the uh, you know the, the fillies and mares that have gone through the English sales, so that's that's a new addition. And we brought over the Ottawa Stakes. We swapped it with the Maribyrnong to put the two-year-old fillies race over. So we just want to keep building, you know, building uh, Oaks Day, and um, I think it's got potential to sort of just keep growing. We we obviously had as a twilight meeting last year, uh, with obviously no crowd here this year. Um, it's not finishing as late, but that's not off the table, the twilight. Obviously, with the crowds back, I think we'll revert back to that format next year. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you touched on that because I think the, the other factors like the weather and all that didn't give us anyone a proper sample of whether that was going to work or not. So interested that you say that it because I think a lot of people thought that it was, it was a great idea to bring it out of the, the other three days as a point of difference and maybe even attract a different audience and maybe even uni students and so on and uh, so th- that is still a... I agree I, I don't think we've given I, I thought it was a success last year turnover was up um, our crowd was um, remember the day it was a oh it was a cold it was a it was really terrible day that, that, yeah, that Freezing. was the worst thing. It was a freezing day, yeah. but our turnover was up, and, and the crowd, it was too hard to tell because the weather was that bad. We did have a bad go with the weather last year, but I think it's definitely worthwhile having um, <clears throat> having another go with it next year. And I, I know we've just you know adjusted it for this year, but don't worry, we'll we'll go back to it next year. And 
I think it's a day we can definitely grow. One thing that I I think I've broached with you before that it seems an anomaly to me. I don't know whether it, it needs to be fixed or not because I think the the twelve hundred meter circuit's more popular than the fourteen hundred, but. There's no 1,400-metre open-class Group 1 feature race at Flemington. You mentioned the distance spectrum before of 1,012, 1,460. Is there any room for to fill that void with something, the 1,400 metres, as a, as a big Group 1? Well, we have, um, sorry, we have the Chatham, the Group 3, on the final day over 1,400. If you remember, it used to be the old Yalambi that used to be on Derby Day, and then horses would run in that, and then you know back up against, uh, again in the mile on the final day. But uh, now with the mile on Derby Day, maybe the Chatham's a race that we could try and develop, you know, putting a bit more prize money in and try and develop it. That that would be the race on the four days it stands out that, that could be. But, um, yeah, look, wouldn't it be great to have, you know, Group 1s at all, all you know, all distances that we run? But um, it is difficult. But, no, it's, um, I think the Chatham, we, we can try and, and definitely grow that, Matty. Hey, um, Dino, do you like the Twilight? The twilight zone, obviously, it's not happening this year, but did you enjoy last year? Uh, yes, yeah, I've got no problem with that. Uh, I think uh, that's a good idea, and uh, yeah, I I like a couple of the changes uh, yeah, going forward uh, this year, and you know, as uh, Lee said, with the uh, the Mayor's race that was 1,700 on the Tuesday, now being on the Thursday, and with the uh, Association with Inglis, it, it brings it up to a really good prize money race, and uh I think, uh, Lee, with uh, running the three-year-old race uh, over 1,800 on Cup Day, in recent years we've seen Vow and Declare and Rush and Camelot, it might give, when racegoers are back on course, uh, a little view to what they might see 12 months down the track. And, Dean, that, that was the the idea. I mean, Vow and Declare, and you mentioned Rush and Camelot um, in that race. And I, I mentioned before about um, Confrontational, the Geelong Classic, when it hadn't paid up, so unfortunately couldn't go to the Derby. But that's in that race on Tuesday and, yeah, sort of like run that race, here's a bit of a preview of, you know, one of our future staying championships and then also then watch the Cup. So that was sort of the idea. So hopefully that can work. And I think that race, yeah, it seems to be producing some good horses. So we've had the Amy Victoria Derby Day, then the Lexus Melbourne Cup Day, the Kennedy Oaks Day, and then the Wine Stakes Day is the final day of the carnival. And it's a ripper day too. When you have a look at the the races on the, the final day, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, the Darley Sprint Classic. Um, you've got the Chatham Stakes, the McKinnon Stakes as well. It's nearly the perfect ending, Len, you and, of course, the Darley Sprint. Um, this is a day that you think that could get better over the years as well? Yeah, um, I do, Gareth. And one thing we've introduced on this day is another grand handicap, um, they're really good competitive races. Last year, we introduced a grand handicap, um, the sprint. We ran it as the last race. You probably remember full field, uh, really competitive race. So on the day, we've now got a benchmark. Um, we've got a grand handicap over 2,000. So, you know, with the country carnival on on the Oaks Day over a mile, then the final day, we've got the grand handicap over 2,000 and sprint. It's sort of like we've got a bit of a country championship going on the last two days. So that that's sort of strengthen the last day a little bit. But as we said before, obviously that um, the, the, the daily sprint, hopefully we you know, um, see a lot of the horses out of the Everest coming in there and maybe some additional horses along the way. So that looks like a, going to be a great race, you know, with Bivouac and we'll probably still to wait and hear where the nature strip will run. And, you know, Zutori is a straight, straight track specialist and we talked at the start of the show about the McKinnon 
you know, it, it could be the race of the spring. So we really want to, you know, develop that final day and I think it's sort of heading in the right direction. So in general, over the carnival, we've got 37 races. Mm. We've got 26 black type and our aim is to have every race either being a black type race or it's a final. It's a grand handicap or it's the final of the series. It's a feature. So that when you come to the whole four days, every race, as I said, is a black type or a final or a feature. Lee, my personal view is that final day is the best day of the four. I think it's evolved in a way where with the McKinnon and the Darley, I kind of think those peaks are almost higher than the peaks on Derby Day, and I think that's fantastic. But what a contrast to years ago. Like, I remember 25, 30 years ago when you drove into final day, Lee, that's when they were packing up a lot of the marquees because they just weren't going to be used, were they? I don't know whether you have the same memories or Dean, but I remember driving into a few of those days and some of the big marquees were actually being taken down on the morning of Darley Stakes Day. It, t- it tells you a lot about how it's evolved. Yeah, no, no, Maddie, it's um, at the opposite now. The, the, the marquees are all up, well, not up at the moment, but um, when we've got full crowds, no, they're up. And the, the last day, I think, and I think one thing we were looking at too, um, it, it was sort of, you know, after Carp and after Oaks, it was dropping off a bit. So I think we need to do something sort of make sure that the last day held, held the interest, not just, you know, from a racing aspect, which it definitely has, but also from interest and public coming along. And really now, as you've just said before, I mean, final day, you know, if, if you miss out on going Derby Day, gee, why wouldn't you go final day? It's just fantastic racing. So that, that, that's the trick, to, to really develop and have a quality racing event right across the four days. Dean, do you think final day is, is biting on the heels of Derby Day? Oh, it's a really good day, Matty. It's very diverse, and I know that uh, Lee's had a real passion for these grand handicaps uh going forward and, and they're really coming to fruition so you know it's a it's a terrific meeting yeah but uh you know and and rounded off well but yeah certainly the mckinnon uh, uh as a as a group one contest is is a higher quality than the cantala but in saying that uh, the cantala being a handicap creates a lot of interest so they've swapped around and it's probably as we spoke about earlier it works for the better boys we nearly run out of time here for the vrc melbourne cup carnival preview podcast it's been a lot of fun and you know what we could I could sit here all day and listen to you lads talk about this wonderful carnival. Um, it'll be different. There's no doubt about that. We all know that in 2020. Don't forget to the VRC. Um, Lee, have got a, a, a website dedicated for Cup Week this year. It's cupweek2020.com.au. Um, if you head to that website, you can join a lot of activities. So they're trying to bring the VRC even, even though that we can't get there, bring it, bring it um, to your own homes and backyard so we can enjoy the day a little and enjoy the Cup Week Carnival uh, a little differently. Yeah, no, it's, it's good, Gareth. And, yeah, get on that website. And, look, thanks for having me. Sounds great. And good luck to you, Gareth. Love your work. And um, keep punching along there. Maddie as well and Dean. Hopefully you're tipping plenty of winners over the week. And uh, look forward to catching up with you all when we can actually... Uh, see each other face-to-face and have a beer. And don't forget you can listen to the Spring Ticket and Cup Week Radio throughout Cup Week. So um, I had a lot of fun doing that broadcast last year and um, we'll be back to do it all again this year. Hey, Lee, have you got a special for us during Cup Week? One horse that you think that we should have a bet on? um, Okay. Look, I love Surprise Baby, but we'll stick with the Cup. But why don't we um, have a little bit of a go on Strata and Albion? 
at any old price. Willie Mullins. Okay. Um, yeah, just just for a bit of fun. All right, Geordie De- Childs. What Geordie a lovely Childs. story that'd be. Beats surprise baby by a nose in the cup. Be the Cornella. I know, Dino, that you've. You've got a lot of form, and I feel for you, this is the toughest week for any form analyst, but especially if you're Dean Lester. Um, have you got any th- early thoughts, Dino, that you can give us? Uh, we can listen to you throughout the week on RSN 927, and, of course, um, we can go to your website as well. Dean Lester, is it donk.com.au as well? Yeah, greattipoff.com forward slash Dean Lester, yes. Okay. Uh, Gareth, uh, yeah, look, I... I always hope to get a flying start derby day because, uh, you know, that uh, sets up the week and I'm hoping that uh, Mystic Journey sets up my week. I think uh, she will win the uh, Empire Rose and uh, set up the week nicely for us. Maddie Stewart, dare I ask? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't have a firm... I, I reckon it's going to be an amazing Melbourne Cup. It really is, but uh, I don't have a firm... Cup week thought at this moment. I'm going to let it all. all right, oh, I had a, have a, I have had an early one on Wertheimer to win the uh, the derby, and I'm okay. hoping. Lee Jordan, you know, I can give you I can give you one good tip is uh, yes. go to that Flemington website and get involved in the uh, the uh, food hampers. Uh, got yes. one on Turnbull Steaks Day. Absolutely makes you feel like you're a little bit at the races. They're uh, they're great dining. There's a whole heap of uh, different packages. So get on that Flemington website. Get involved. It's uh, it's terrific. I've ordered all mine for the uh, cup week. All right, then. The job for Dean in the marketing department. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Hey, do, we, and do we have to do it on the website, Lee, or is there a little something <laughs> for your uh, radio <laughs> mate here? pay. Just pay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dean. Like sausage roll on the side there, Matty. And that's the best Sweet. push because Dino knows food like he knows his that's horses. It. That's it. Lee's taught me well. Yeah. Good on you, Dean. Hey, Dean, it's been a lot of fun. I know you're busy, mate, so we appreciate you coming on and joining us for the Melbourne Cup Carnival Preview Podcast. Good luck um, next week. Terrific. Thank you, Gareth. Hey, Lee Jordan, you're a star, mate. Well done. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, appreciate it. And I can't wait to read your work over the Cup Carnival, Matty, and listen to you, of course, on Cup Week Radio. Um, it's going to be a busy week, but it's going to be a great week, guys. Looking forward to it. Matty Stewart there. I'm Gareth Hall, and thanks for your company on the 2020 VRC Melbourne Cup Carnival Preview Podcast. Back plenty of winners at this magical carnival during this big week there at Flemington.